are the voice that calls me on Louder than every lie My sword in every fight The truth will chase away the night Your name is power over darkness Freedom for the captives Mercy for the broken you caved in this week and the furnace kicked on you did you softies you're not michiganders now mine did too and i had a little drive in my car last night and it was one of those really beautiful autumn nights of geese flying overhead and canopies of trees and leaves blowing down and for the first time of this year the warmth came out from underneath the dash of the car and i thought it's good to be alive what a wonderful time of the year this autumn, I've been trying to help you and help us and in, in, in lead us into knowing God in a deeper way. And I've been calling it knowing God by heart. Knowing God by heart. And we've just been looking at who God is and why who God is matters to us and trying to embrace that with our heart. And today, we've come to the heart of knowing God by heart. This week, I was privileged to speak and tell stories at, a, at the, the, the elementary school over at the Jackson Christian School. And I was teaching the children how to pray in a really, really simple way. I said there are different kinds of praise, prayers that you can pray. Like you can pray, help me prayers. Help me. Those are good prayers. Or please help others. That's prayer and supplication help others help my friend help my mom or then you can pray and these are some of the most beautiful prayers thank you prayers and our lives should be filled with thank you prayers every day and then of course we make mistakes and we sin and so we have i'm sorry prayers and please forgive me prayers right that's what i taught the kids but there are other prayers another prayer too that probably is more important than all those other prayers. I love you, prayers. I love you, prayers. Lord, I know you love me. I want to love you back. I love you, prayers. Because to know God by heart is to go beyond, like, servile fear and, and, or, or, or seeking God, you know, for what he can do for me, even though we should fear God and there are lots of things he can do for us. But knowing God by heart is to go deeper than punishment and reward down into the soul, into our very hearts. Yes, we fear God. And, and yes, we, we're, we're, we're grateful that he does things for us. But we don't live in servile fear and we don't use God. Right? We, we have a relation. We love God. We want to know that he loves us. We love him. I, I read a book. I like it. None of these books are perfect except the book. But... This is a very powerful book that spoke to my soul, uh, written by a, a man named uh, John Eldridge and, and his friend Brent Curtis. 
is called the sacred romance he in in the book they're they're talking about how we kind of lose touch with our heart and we need to go back and in order to know god that we have to know god by heart not just by our activity or our our, our just alone by our mental activity or alone by our physical actions or obedience to things but but in the deepest part of us that we we know god by heart and the journey is the journey to the heart is that's what they would say and and, and jesus said that in, in matthew in matthew 23 he says to the pharisees something like this you're really religious but i don't have your heart you're really really religious men you're the most religious people but your heart is far from me he said that to his people in isaiah 29 and repeated it again because this people they draw near to me with their mouth they honor me with their lips but their but their heart is far from me that's not good your story isn't the story of what you do it's who you are and who you are is revealed in your heart in the in your soul and in the innermost reality of who you are and everything about our life wants to push that to the margin and just do our duties and pay our taxes and make our money and empty our garbage and keep people happy and never really kind of address the deepest needs of the heart but on an autumn evening when the geese fly overhead and the leaves blow out of the trees and there's a tang of the wood smoke in the air and the and the air is cool you know there's something else calling to you that's much deeper than just the duties that you perform am i right and if you have any sense you know there is a god and then he's expressing something to you. He didn't make trees all one color. He didn't make birds all one color. And every one of your grandchildren has his own little voice, his own little personal style. There's no accident. He did all these things to capture our hearts. Read the Bible. It, it's, it, read the Bible. It's not a, a tax return. The Bible isn't just a gathering of true facts, not a tax return. A tax return is true, but it doesn't capture your heart. It might depress you, but it's not going to capture your heart. It might put a little spring in your step if you're getting a return. But it, it's incapable of really capturing your imagination, your heart. The Bible is a story of truth that's arranged in beauty, in fear and mystery it's awesome it's frightening it's scary it's a romance it's an adventure because you were made to live that way that's why the book of proverbs says keep your heart with all diligence out of it spring forth the issues of life who you are is really who you are inside in your heart not just all the stuff that you do to make you know kind of the physical things in life work but it's what's going on and he uses your hurts and he uses the betrayals in your life he uses those powerfully he uses the haunting beauty in your life these are things are calling to your heart are you do you feel it are, are you with me if you're not and this is the way brent curtis and john Eldridge wrote it in this book the sacred romance there is a voice that speaks to us in the midst of all that we're doing. There's something missing in all of this. It suggests to us there's something more. And the voice comes in the middle of the night or in the early hours of the morning when our hearts are most vulnerable and unfiltered. And the heart does not respond to principles and programs. It, it seeks 
not efficiency, but passion. That's the way the heart is. This is what Jesus continually appealed to, the heart, right? Art, poetry, beauty, mystery, ecstasy, these are the things that arouse a person's heart. Indeed, they're the language that must be spoken if we want to communicate to our heart or others' hearts. That would be the language of art, poetry, beauty, mystery, ecstasy, romance, adventure, betrayal, right? Back to the quote. This is why Jesus so often taught and related to people by telling stories and by asking probing questions. His desire was not just to engage the intellect, but to capture the hearts of men and women. Indeed, if we listen, a secret romance comes to us through our hearts. Every moment of our lives whispers to us on the wind, invites us into the laughter of good friends, reaches out to us through the touch of someone we love. We've heard it in our favorite music, seen it in the birth of a child we've been drawn to or watching the shimmer of the sunset out on the ocean the romance is even present in times of great personal suffering the illness or loss of a loved one a miscarriage the death of a friend something calls to us through these experiences that rouses an inconsolable longing deep within our heart wakening us to a yearning for intimacy for beauty and adventure I think they're absolutely right about that. I think they're absolutely right about that. They say this longing is the most powerful part of human personality, fuels our search for meaning, for wholeness, for a sense of being truly alive. However we may describe this deep desire, it's the most important thing about us, our heart, our hearts, the passion of our life, the voice that calls to us. This is literally the voice of God calling to us, none other than the voice of God. And we, we cannot hear this voice. We've lost touch with our heart. And, and I love this. The true story of every person in this world is not the story of the things that you see, the external story. The true story of each person in this world is the story of their heart. And I'm sure that you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, certainly that couldn't have been a part of the story of my life. That betrayal, that terrible abuse that weirdness in my family that really I'm still, I never have really recovered from. That couldn't, that couldn't be a part of it. Yet, no, 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 that is a part of it. And those, those hurts, uh, the, the beauty, the, the, the pain, the, these are the things that help to make us who we are. And these are the things that you can really only untangle if you really pay attention to your heart, which the Bible teaches. Jesus taught that. Jesus knows our hearts. Like, for instance, Jesus knew the heart of the rich, young ruler. How would you like to be put together like that? Rich, young, ruler. I mean, I would take one of those three. <laughs> the ruler thing I'm so excited about, but like rich would be cool. Young would be really cool. I would give young for rich, would you? Huh. All the young people would go, what? <laughs> and all the rest of us are like, yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Jesus, he knows this. He talks to the rich young ruler, and he basically says to him, I got everything but what I'm supposed to have here. I don't have your heart. And because of that, Jesus is sad for him. He says to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He says, Jesus answers him, you know, you shall, what's written in the law? The, The young ruler says to Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And he says, you've answered correctly. Go and do this, and you will live. 
Jesus says to this guy, you're rich, you're young, and you're powerful, but you're not living yet because I don't have your heart. Only when I have your heart are you going to start living even though you're rich and you're young and you're powerful. Isn't it interesting that in our culture we spend time working on riches, looking young, being powerful, and we push God to the weekend? You got to understand God. You got to understand God by the heart. Too many of us have understood God by the rules. The rules. They are rules. They are commandments. That's true. But they weren't ever supposed to bypass our hearts. See, think about this. Like, if you, you have a you have a little adorable child, a little adorable grandchild. Anybody? Pictures on your phone? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Okay, this is the thing. Like, if you have a little child, you just think, oh, welcome to the world. I have rules for you. You will do what I say. I mean, if you're sick, twisted old dude, that's the way you think, right? But if you're normal, that's not how you think, right? Hey, kid, I'm going to line you up. There's some rules for you to follow. And if you don't follow them, I'm going to hurt you bad. That's kind of weird. Or maybe you're like the, self, the, the indulgent one. I know a lady like this. She has eight kids. Her name is Lois. We would go to the park. Our oldest, our firstborn, loved to go to the park. Oh, I would love to rewind my life for one afternoon in the park with that little boy. And he would just find the most joy in those swings and those slides and those merry-go-rounds and you couldn't get him to leave and i would say it's time to leave and he would cry and i would say if you cry i'm gonna spank you that's how i roll <laughs> lois would be like you want to go dairy queen <laughs> i'm not making this up it's exactly you just described our you want to go to dairy queen he'd be like yeah off to dairy queen would go i'm like, he's gonna be fat you know it's not gonna be, he's actually pretty lean right now. His dad is, he had a lot of Dairy Queen. Um, <laughs> pie and stuff. Uh, but, but, okay, is that all, is all we have here? Look, I got rules, and if you don't keep them, I'm gonna hurt you, and I'm God. I'm gonna hurt you bad forever. Oh, and I'm very powerful, and if you want good things in your life, you better do what I say, because I'm the guy that can give you good things. So if you want good stuff in your life, you better do what I say. Is that what the Bible, is that the story of the Bible? This is a big, scary God that can hurt you if you don't obey him and can reward you if you use him. Is that all there is to that story? No, no, no. That, though, you know, people that see that didn't really read the Bible with their heart. They didn't get their heart open. They didn't see the real story. Of course we fear God. And of course he's capable of pouring good things into our life. But the story of the Bible is a romance. There's a love there. He said, I want to love you. Look at my sunset I did for you. Look at that granddaughter that I gave to you. Isn't that amazing, that married love thing? Who would have thought of something like, and you have babies because of that, and grandchildren, and, like, and then there's autumn. Isn't autumn a really good idea? Look what I did here. So... So to know God, you got to know God by heart, you see. You don't know God if you don't know God by heart. And Jesus knows our hearts, and he loves us, and he wants us to love him back. He wants to have our heart. Now, in our hearts, this is absolutely going to be a two-part sermon. In our hearts, there's no question that God has put great longing 
right? He's put great longings in our hearts, longings for lots of things, but especially love. Maybe the, maybe the, the longing at the bottom of all the longings, maybe that's the longing for love, and, and there's longing for meaning and longing for purpose and longing for significance and lots of other things that are going on there that we can't even untangle ourselves, but we know that we're just a whole big, unless we just press that down, we're full of that kind of longing. And, and, and the Bible's teaching is that no thing or no person, no person or no thing on earth can fully satisfy the deep longings of our heart. You remember the old pastors that used to preach about worldliness? Remember that? Some of you that are like over 65, you remember that. We stopped preaching about worldliness a long time ago. But we still do it. It's th- that's what we're talking about. If if somewhere in this world is where I locate my affections, if in this world, if some person or thing can fully satisfy the deepest longings of my heart, then I'm worldly. That's that's all that it is. I'm idolatrous. I'm foolish. I'm I'm, I'm up a creek. I'm I'm lost. My soul is lost. Everyone has longings. I have longings. You have longings. Whether you recognize them or not, if you press them down. And those longings cannot be met by anyone or dear jimmy i'm so sorry we fought i said such unkind things about you i was wrong please forgive me let's get back together jimmy p.s congratulations on winning the state lottery (laughs) we just threw that girl under the bus didn't we Or, or like this my dad one time he was being unfiltered with me and he was telling me a story of his youth and something he remembered poignantly from his from his 20s he said when i was in college i didn't have a dime i had a car my friends didn't have a car but i didn't have a dime and they didn't have a car and they asked me if i wanted to go with them on a trip and i thought that would be nice and they said would you drive and he said well sure he's the only one who had a car he didn't have any money he had just enough money for the gas for the trip and my dad told me this story. He said, then, he said, as I was driving, I realized after a while, I got the feeling like they didn't really want to be with me. They just wanted a driver. And they never offered to pay for the gas. And so when they stopped for lunch, they all went in to eat. And I, w- I knew I wouldn't have enough money to eat lunch. So I told them I wanted to take a nap in the car, even though I was hungry. And I laid down in the back seat of the car, and I took a nap. That happened like six. 65 years ago and when my dad told me that story you could see the pain in his face you could hear the pain in his voice of being used by people how much how much easier would it have been for them to say hey ken come on in let me buy you're driving and let me help you with the gas and oh and by the way how's school going and but have you had an experience like that of course you have and some of you a lot worse than that and these things kind of they they bind on our souls, they twist on our souls like, I'm really not loved. And we like, am I ever going to be loved like I was made to be loved? And we keep looking to people for that. And we keep looking to things for that. And God is standing off in the shadows, making the sunrise, making the sunset, sending the bird songs, turning the seasons, allowing the hurts that would might afflict us to him and the beauty that might draw our hearts to him and we just keep looking to people and we just keep looking to things this is not knowing god by heart this is called worldliness or idolatry 
Somebody said it like this. Sin is what we do when we're no longer satisfied with God. And somehow we, we have to learn not to expect from others what only God can give. And when we do that, that's the great journey. That's the great adventure. That's the great romance. That's the great mystery. That's the life that we're supposed to live. Learning to seek God. And how does that go? Well, the Bible says only God through Christ can do that. Write down these three uh, passages of Scripture um, or keep them in mind. Just keep in mind Psalm 103, Romans 8, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. Psalm 103, Romans 8. You would remember that one, right? Ephesians 4, 3, 14 through 21. These should be well-worn in your Bibles as you go on this journey to the heart. And, and you seek to know God by heart because you discover in these and other passages that it is only God through Christ that can meet the deepest longings of our heart. And when we feel the pang of the, the, the peace that's missing, that is God's calling to our hearts to find our joy and our love in Him, to seek Him and worship Him, to have an enlightenment of God's love. And this is my fourth point. If you didn't get it, these are the points. You have a deep longing for love, number one. Number two, nothing on earth can satisfy it. Number three, God can do that through Christ. Number four, this means you have to have an epiphany, an enlightenment, and you actually need a series of them over and over again. We have to be tasting and seeing the sweetness of the Lord whenever there's bitterness in our life. We have to be tasting and seeing the sweetness of the Lord whenever there's temptation in our life, whenever we yield, you know, to some lesser thing or we, we go and we build a new idol. We need to have a new enlightenment of the satisfaction that we have in the Lord. And this is why, and it, this is why we need this enlightenment. Now, l- let, me, let me have you look in Ephesians first. This is, of course, very familiar to you. You hear me talk. If, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul has two prayers for the people in Ephesians. This is the second one. He's down on his knees begging God for them. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family on heaven and earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he would grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to understand, comprehend, and experience with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge and will fill you with all the fullness of God. This prayer is, the heart of it in in, in the grammar is the love of God. It's like when you have an enlightenment of how deep, how wide, how great, how pure, how high the love of God is, then you experience the fullness of God. Then you're strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. This is the thing that that we're saying. It's very practical. And and that is, I can see, I can taste what this food tastes like or or what that experience would be like or what that relationship might offer to me or what that pleasurable experience or God forbid, even, you know, like sensual experience would would give. And, and, And that's very real. It's very concrete to me. It calls to me and it makes my heart beat fast or makes me, makes me lust or desire. That's a common to all of us. And God says, no, here's a higher way that you would have an enlightenment of how much I love you. That's going to meet the needs in the deepest part of you 
and that's going to trump all that other stuff. That's the idea. And so no one, no thing can fully satisfy the longing that only God can fulfill. And that's why 1 Corinthians 13, 14 says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. This is the apostolic benediction, the, tri, the, tr- the trinity benediction, right? It's the, the benediction people that, that when people say that, that there aren't three members of the Godhead, you have um, baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You have this apostolic benediction, the love of God and the communion, the grace of Jesus, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. This is the best way to bless somebody. I hope you experience. You know, what can I say to you? Like I said, I have a daughter who's unmarried. You know, she's divorced, right? And I think about her every day. And one of the things I think is, oh, maybe there will be a person that will come into her life and will love her like she should be loved. You know, I think that a lot, to be honest with you. Maybe that's the way you feel too. Maybe you're married and you feel that way. You're just like, man, there's a part of me nobody's ever touched. There's a thing in me that just never been satisfied. Can I just tell you, that thing is God calling to you. My daughter, it'd be wonderful if she had a husband. What, what's more important, she told me this week, and I don't say too much, she said, she said, Dad, I just want to like, seek the Lord, take care of my kids. Of course, she's interested in the man, but you know, she said that. I'm like, yeah, that's right, that's good. What, what, what she was saying is, you know, I, I'm stumbling forward, but I'm seeking God in my heart, and that's what I need to do. That's what you need to do. You get it? You get it? You get it? Right? Sure. Only God through Christ. And what does this require? Spiritual enlightenment. Listen to Titus 3, 4. Titus 3, 4. When the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, epiphany, not by works of righteousness but that we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. When, when the kindness and the love of God appeared, and when we had an epiphany, an enlightenment of this, this is what you need to have. What do we need to have? We need to see, taste and see that God is satisfying the deepest needs of our heart. You, you get that? Romans 5, 5. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts. That's what you want to actually ask God. Pour that out in my heart. Help me see that like I've never seen it before. That, that, that you are actually more attractive to me than pornography is attractive to me. That you actually are more exciting to me than football is exciting. That you are actually the one who made the blackberry pie. And, and, and it's good, but you are God. You know, right? And that's, that's true. That's true. That, that's how we, uh, and, and so it is. First uh, John 3, 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. We will pick up this strain next week. We will go to Romans 8. I will show you the powerful, lyrical, amazing truth of Romans 8 that speaks directly to this in the love of God in our hearts. And, and think about this. We all saw this this week, didn't we? We all saw Here was a woman who had made this horrifying mistake and taken the life of another human being, shot him dead, thought he was he had broken into her apartment. She's a police officer. She, for whatever reason, she's confused. She, I don't know what. Shoots the guy dead. He's got a family, though. He's a living, breathing human being. Now he's dead. He has a little brother. She goes to court. Did you see it? Did you see this drama unfold? She goes to court. They can, the jury convicts her and says, you're guilty of murder and you're going to prison. She could have gone to prison for life. 
Now it's the sentencing. She comes back for the sentencing, and then there's that witness statement. The people who say, how your crime affected me, right? Now the family can take the stand, and they can say whatever they want to say. They can say, you took my son's life. I'll never forgive you. you could, they, they could take the stand, and they could say, you killed my brother. I will hate you forever. But you saw it, didn't you? The little brother gets on the stand and he says something like this. You should become a Christian. I forgive you. I don't want you to have to suffer. I want you to know you're forgiven. Judge, can I hug her? Judge is like, okay. He walks down. They embrace. The judge is weeping. The bailiff is weeping. The hardened police officers are weeping. And then the judge goes to quarters, right? And she gets her Bible. And she gives it back to this girl. And she opens it up to John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And he told that girl, God loves you. She told that girl, God loves you. And I'm telling you, God loves you. And he wants your heart. Bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that the deepest longings of our heart are not strange to you. You're the one who embedded our hearts with these longings. You're the one that calls to us. And we're in this divine romance, this beautiful, this beautiful romance with God. Help us to see it. Enlighten our hearts to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, no wind, all these pieces.